Coming up, it's Philosophy Talk. Vaccines cause autism? Well, I have one million results that say they don't, and one result that says they do. I knew it. If humans are so rational, then how come we suffer from so many cognitive biases? Is knowing that you have certain cognitive biases enough to counteract their influences on your thinking? I'm not biased. You're biased. He's a man with a plan. Got a counterfeit dollar in his hand. He's Mr. Know-it-all. So she doesn't like me? No. She said that? Yes. She told you she doesn't like me? Yes. What were her exact I don't like him. Our guest is University of Virginia psychologist Brian Nozick. Cognitive Bias, coming up on Philosophy Talk. We hope you enjoy this episode of Philosophy Talk. Stay up to date with the program and receive our monthly e-newsletter by texting PHILOSOPHY to 22828. That's 22828. And to become a partner in our community of thinkers, visit philosophytalk.org. Thank you for listening. And thank you for thinking. Why are our minds so full of cognitive biases? Is there any hope of overcoming them? Or are they hopelessly beyond our control? Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Ah, except your intelligence. I'm Ken Taylor. And I'm Deborah Satz, sitting in for John Perry. We're here at the studios of KALW San Francisco. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus, where both Ken and I teach philosophy. Deborah, you've been a frequent guest on the show, but it's great to have you joining me behind the mic, so to speak. It's always great to be here, Ken. Now, today, we're asking about cognitive bias. It's another episode in our ongoing series on intellectual humility. Aristotle defined humans as rational animals, but he was wrong. The human mind is riddled with cognitive biases. I'll say, Deborah, did you know? I looked this up the other day. There are like 150 named cognitive biases. There's confirmation bias, in-group bias, loss aversion, the halo effect, endowment effects, and then there's something called the IKEA effect, of all things. And every time you turn around, some clever psychologist is naming yet another one. Well, whatever you name them, cognitive biases certainly suck. They distort gender relations, racial relations, employment, education, our self-images, politics. They even distort science. And you know what? We're mostly not even aware of them. That makes them really hard to correct. Here's an example that always bothers me. Take a group of teachers. Divide them into two random groups. Give each group the exact same set of papers to grade, exact same papers, Deborah, but put African-American-sounding names on the one set and Anglo-sounding names on the other. I, I bet you know the punchline here, right? Yeah, I do, unfortunately. African-American-sounding names get lower grades than the Anglo-sounding names. That's why I had such problems back in school. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what should we conclude about this? I mean, should we conclude that teachers are just bigots? But you know what? We all do it. Black, white, male, female, liberal, conservative, it doesn't matter. Well, okay, so maybe teachers just need to try harder. They need to focus on the quality of the paper and block out all these extraneous factors. The ironic thing is that trying can actually make it worse. 
And that's because it biases you to thinking you've succeeded. It's like you go, hey, I've no more bias. And then you go, this is what I think, and I'm not biased, so it must be true. Oh, goodness. So I, I, I bet you're going to tell me that there's some clever name for this one, too. Of course. It's called the I think it, therefore it's true effect. Okay. So so look, what, what, should we just conclude we're doomed to, to cognitive bias? Well, we certainly can't just will our biases away. Well, okay. But what about education and training? That's got to help. You'd be surprised. Even highly educated and trained scientists still suffer from cognitive biases. And even we... The ever-so-rational philosophers have our biases. Oh, no, that's a depressing thought. So, so look, it seems to me that me suggests that the mind is just a junkyard. Is that what we're saying here? No, the mind's not a junkyard. It was designed by evolution. And evolution doesn't do junk. Evolution does beneficial adaptations. Uh, but cognitive biases, they're not beneficial. They're useless. Well, they probably were very beneficial at one point. On the savannah, if you took time to consider things from all angles, you probably wouldn't survive. So natural selection designed our brains to make quick and dirty decisions on the fly. Now, granted, these decisions didn't always yield the truth, but they helped keep our ancestors alive. So our cognitive biases are features rather than simply bugs. Ah, uh, maybe once upon a time. But you know what, uh, Dorothy? I mean, Deborah, we're not on the <laughs> savannah anymore. Qu click your heels and make all these quick and dirty uh, decisions go away. It won't cut it in the modern world. You know, to thrive in the modern world, we need to de-bias our minds. Good luck with that. Well, I, I, I'm not sure it's as hard as you're making it out to be. I mean, because take those teachers. Here's an idea. They can just de-bias just by doing what we do in academic journals, anonymize student papers. It doesn't take Herculean effort. It doesn't take a lot of education. It's easy. Okay, I grant in that case we can deal with it. But to think that there'll always be an easy fix like that is just an example of the optimism bias oh. at at work. God, optimism. But can we stop with the cute names already? Look, I don't think I'm suffering from optimism bias. I really don't. I'm suggesting that, okay, maybe we just take our biases one by one, kind of think about them piecemeal, and develop sort of local strategies for overcoming them. Who could object to that? Maybe you have a point here. And to help us strategize about overcoming our biases, our roving philosophical reporter, Holly McDeed, has prepared a little primer on the variety of cognitive biases. She files this report. When I was a kid, I tried selling acorn necklaces in my middle school cafeteria. As in, necklaces I made out of acorns. As in, acorns I found in my backyard. I thought they were worth at least 10 bucks. And I was astonished when my business did not take off. Turns out, researchers have an explanation for why I came to believe these acorn necklaces were worth so much. People tend to value something that they've created more than an identical product created by someone else. Daniel Mochan, a professor at Tulane University, says people also overvalue products they helped make. Say I, I built a table and it came out a little bit crooked. To me, it might be the most beautiful thing in the world because I made it. 
Mochan calls this cognitive bias the IKEA effect. To test this theory, Mochan had participants in a study make and build things like origami, Lego sets, and of course, IKEA furniture. He published the results in a study called When Labor Leads to Love. And what we found is that people tended to be willing to pay more money for the exact same product when they had built it than when someone else had built it. The fact that you imbued the product you created with a value, um, it's sort of a signal of your own competence and your own self. There's similar cognitive biases, like the endowment effect. That's when people value something more because they own it. Another bias is people value something more the harder they work for it. One of the ways in which cults try to brainwash people is by putting a lot of effort into joining and being part of it. Then again, researchers have biases themselves. There's something called a confirmation bias that says our minds reject information we don't agree with. There's a similar bias called implicit egotism that says people love what's familiar. So people with the last name Carpenter are slightly more likely to become carpenters. People who share the same birthday are slightly more likely to get married to one another. My favorite cognitive bias, though, is the rhyme as reason effect, which says that if something rhymes, we're more likely to believe it. In a study, Matthew McGlone, a professor at the University of Texas at Austin, asked participants to identify statements they thought were true. Participants were more likely to say that the rhyming statements were accurate. So they found what sobriety conceals, alcohol reveals to be more truthful than what sobriety conceals, alcohol unmasks. Like a lot of cognitive biases, McGlone says the rhyme is reason effect has helped humans survive. It's evolution. The ease with which we process information is something that our brains have evolved to equate with familiarity. If something feels familiar, it means it hasn't eaten us yet. But cognitive biases can also cloud our judgment in more serious ways. For example, what if a rhyme could help decide a court case? Remember this famous one? O.J. Simpson in a knit cap from two blocks away is still O.J. Simpson. It's no disguise. It's no disguise. It makes no sense. It doesn't fit. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. A paraphrase of it says, if the glove doesn't fit, you must find him not guilty. That doesn't seem to make a whole hell of a lot of sense in and of itself. By virtue of packaging it in this pleasant-sounding rhyming form, it takes some pretty suspicious reasoning and makes it that much more compelling. It might seem scary to think that so many of our choices aren't the result of rational judgment. So are we responsible for any of our own beliefs? McGlone says when people are paying attention, some cognitive biases, like the rhyme is reason effect, stop working. But when we're compromised in terms of our attention or our energy level, it might be something that we really have to worry about. So maybe the problem with my acorn necklaces wasn't that they weren't great. Maybe it's just that there's not a whole lot of words that rhyme with acorn or with necklace to convince otherwise unwilling buyers to hand over 10 bucks. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Holly Timothy. Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.